UFC 175 is in the books. A legend has retired, and I am sitting in Austin, Texas, which obviously means it's time for Verbal Tap, the show that proves fighting is so much easier from outside the cage. Why don't more people do it? I am your host, Kevin Phillips. With me, of course, the legend of the Ultimate Fighter Review, who will be riding the last leg of that Triple Crown. Here tonight for Tough 19, Raf Esparza. Raf, how are you doing this evening? I'm great. Uh, I'm terrified for you having to be in Austin right now because isn't it like a million degrees there? It is. Couldn't be hotter, and it's a weird. Pl- it's a weird state. It's just a bizarre. Texas is such a bizarre place to be in. The car rental. I got an economy car because I'm an adult and I'm trying to. I was trying to save money for my company here for a business trip. And the guy at Hertz said there was no way I could pick up a woman in a Toyota Yaris Mm. and demanded I leave with an SUV. So he just upgraded me to an SUV. So even if you don't want things to be bigger in Texas, they will force themselves to be bigger upon you. I'm sorry. Uh, It sounds like you're having a terrible time. Raph, you can't imagine. I'm sitting here drinking a Lone Star beer. I have the sudden urge to own a gun. Oh, God, last night <laughs> I was trying to go to the restaurant next door mm-hmm. to order a salad. I was just going to get something with a lot of veggies, obviously, maybe some lean chicken. I don't know. I don't you know what kind of night it was. And then they had a Hold up. Triple... Shut up. Shut up. Shut up. Okay. We have breaking news. What's – oh, you don't want to hear more about Texas? <laughs> You're all set. No, okay, but like, the, well, is... this is clearly more important. Uh, this literally just came up on our news feed right now. UFC 176 here in Los Angeles postponed. Oh, wait. That's the Jose Aldo versus Ronda Rousey card? No. (laughs) Everybody knows that Jose Aldo was injured, so it was obviously going to be Chad Mendes versus Ronda Rousey. Apparently, that's that's not going to happen for some strange reason. Can I just say that they're wrong? That should happen. I, I really think it, it really should. No, should. why is what's going on with UFC 176? Why are they uh, it looks like they can't find anybody to fill the main event. That would, I guess, that would do it. That yeah. would make sense. That's a giant bummer. But you know what? I couldn't go to that fight here in LA anyway. So good for oh. me. Oh, uh, keep that in the back burners. We'll just say, damn it, we were going to cover it. Uh, I will say this though. This is uh, promising for everybody else in the card. It looks like they're going to go ahead and put them on other cards. Here's the bad news so far, though, Kev. And this is something about the UFC I don't get. Do you remember the last cancel event? The One of the John Jones fights, it feels the like. The ghost of UFC 151? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Well, this one is also going to still be counted in the sequence of UFC events. So even though it's canceled, oh. the next one in August is going to be UFC 177, not 176. I- Fucking hate when they do that. Isn't is there? That do you know why they do that? Do you have any idea? You're the only person I know that might know. Uh, I feel like when you've already marketed something like as UFC 177 in another state or venue, uh, you've already put tons of money off of marketing I- items and whatnot. So they don't just plan things like two weeks out. Like these things are pretty well planned out months, years in advance sometimes. 
So that's my best guess, but... Well, that makes perfect sense. That probably sounds like exactly what it is. But it's still, from a logical standpoint, it makes you think, like, well, do you think people are really going to be disappointed if they go home with a UFC 177 (laughs) memorabilia? (laughs) Fucking Dana. Fuck. Fucking fights. We don't know. Why is it like that? I don't know. It's it's entirely confusing, but uh, that's the breaking news that we have for you guys right here. So we'll try and keep you posted on what else is happening on it. But by all means, Kevin, please finish your salad story. No, I just had a triple decker Texas toast grilled cheese BLT <laughs> and garlic Parmesan fries. Hold of on. course, you went to get a salad and you ended up getting a coronary. Well, people were going to expect to see 177. Dreams fade. You got to live in the now. You got to find reality. I got the Texas toast, you know? Well, you never know. Uh, Raph, we have a lot of shit to get to tonight. We do. We have a lot to talk about. But before that, could you maybe just explain why you were in a pink belt? I'm <laughs> <laughs> training jiu-jitsu. Yeah, I, you know, okay. We, I love that Kevin's like, we have so much shit to talk about. But Raph, please explain <laughs> your that. embarrassing moment real quick. Okay. So um, outside of my apartment, we have our washer and dryer. And as of recently, for whatever reason, there are a whole bunch of wasps that have been coming over and just infiltrating or whatever the fuck you want to call it, uh, our little area that we have for our outside balcony washer and dryer. So one wasp, fine. Two wasps, eh, kind of annoying. Three or more wasps, you start to get a little weirded out and you start looking to see where their nest is. Their nest is right above where my apartment is and we're on the top floor. So um, when I go to do laundry now, I have to like run out to go just throw everything in and then just rush back in the house. And now it's like a two man job between myself and my fiance where she has to be my lookout while I go out there and do it. And the whole time she's like yelling at me and there's a couple times where the wasps are actually like down in the area and she's like knocking on the door being like a horror movie like they're there they're there and I'm like it's fine oh shit they're looking right at me. So anyway uh, you guys I, are great hosts maybe they're just trying to get a piece of that action. To be fair like, this hey. is the dumbest theory that we've put out there so far is that we think they want our air conditioning. <laughs> but um, so anyway, I, in, in doing lots of very quick gi washing because I'm training a lot, uh, I might have left my belt at home when Ooh. I went to go train with the guys. Now, mind you, I was coming in late because I was doing the podcast here and I could have just not gone. But I was like, no, I'll I'll go. Took your medicine like a man. Yep, I'm gonna I'm gonna take it just just right in the face. Go ahead and just punch me <laughs> right in the face, everybody. And I got there, and Kev, you would be so fucking proud of me. This is exactly what happened. I walk out, I put the gi on. Everybody looks, and they go, "Oh, Raf, do you have a belt?" And I was like, "Nope." So what what, what are you drilling here? <laughs> he just tried to act. He I just was tried to ignore it. Just really barreling <laughs> through it. And our black belt Marcelo, who is the most <laughs> awesome guy in the world would not let me go he was like well rafa you need a belt come on hold on and he like stops class and i'm like we really don't have to stop class like i'm pretty sure this is an easy drill i can simulate having a belt you know uh, not a problem oh and it's the pink belt of shame <laughs> so in certain gyms like ours when you don't have your belt you have to wear the pink belt because it look makes you look silly 
and everybody can laugh at you because there's no pink belt in Brazilian Jiu-Jitsu. So I had to wear that for the day. That's fucking genius. That's how you know the Wasps have really, they've won. Wasps win. The air conditioning seeking wasps have taken over. So anyway, I'm glad that we could take time out from the podcast to explain my embarrassing moment and why it happened. But uh... (laughs) the picture is great. So head on over to Verbal Tap Cast, (laughs) like the Facebook page, and take a look at Rap and his pink belt. Ref, we have so many people on the show. We're going to talk to – I'm just going to name all of them. Okay, We're going to talk to, of course, Diego Lima, who fought in the Ultimate Fighter finale on Sunday. Yes. We're going to talk to Eric Jackman, who I'm positive I crushed like a small insect in Over Under Kevin, but we'll find out. And we're going to talk to Kansas City American Top Team badass mixed martial arts fighter L.C. Davis, who's a member of the Bellator. Bellator? Bellatory? That's a cool. Bellatory? The Bellator fight world. Is that a dance company that travels Bellatory, the Bellatory, you know? No, it's the Bellatory fights. Congratulations, everybody. We are now transitioning get a dinner. mostly because Kevin is too drunk. So let's go ahead and go to our first segment, you guys. Let's talk Ultimate Fighter Review. Texas. All right, guys, you know, it's it's with great sadness that I, I am here to just tell you today that we are at our last one-minute review. Kev, can you believe this? Frankly, I'm trying to keep it emotionally together for the fans. Mm. I'm struggling, Rap. I'm obviously drinking to cope okay. with the pain. Good. Um, but there's going to be another season. That's the good news. That is the good news. No, no other season is going to have the world's nicest fighter, Diego Lima. That's obvious well, but otherwise it's going to be great probably. i guess the good news is we have diego lima with us again on the podcast right now diego how you doing my man i am doing fantastic man how you guys doing very well you how do you stay this nice <laughs> man that's just how, how i am you know this is me this is me you know i don't have to put a front you know of course i'm hurting on the inside you know but <laughs> this is who i am man you know i got i got three kids you know they just got to be happy around them of course and i do love that when you had the behind the scenes little footage that you referred to yourself as a big kid uh while coaching little kids because every person in my house who was watching the fight just goes like especially the girls they just go oh he's so nice and i was like no he's legitimately that human being <laughs> yeah that's right <laughs> that, actually i haven't seen that yet man i want to see that i haven't haven't watched the whole thing yet it can uh, be so hard yeah. to keep up with all the yeah. video and the press when you're fighting in the U.S. <laughs> yeah, State. yeah. And there's only just a lot going on. <laughs> well, uh, Diego, um, you're, you're such a pal. We have some last-minute business to take care of, and then we want to chat with you. But we wanted to know if you're good enough to stick around for the last one-minute review of the Ultimate Fighter season. Oh, I sure am, man. I cannot wait. I'm looking forward to it. Okay, now you know I'm impersonating you again, right? Yes, yes, I know. Trust me, I'm ready. Were you okay with it the last time? You were very encouraging to me. I just don't know where you're at today. Man, it sounded just like me. <laughs> All right. Well, I'll see if I can make it go back to the way it was. All right, there we go. Sounds let's, good. Let's do that. All right, guys. Warning. This is the one-minute review of The Ultimate Fighter. 
Brace yourselves, because here we go. Previously on The Ultimate Fighter, last pick, Roger Zapata beat Ian Stevens, even though he really didn't. Diego Lima was the only guy with any personality on the show. Matt Van Buren won a fight via boredom to take on Daniel Spawn. Now we're at the semifinals. Damn, son, shit got real. The Ultimate Fighter, Roger Zapata misses his family. God, I'm so sorry. I uh, didn't mean to almost fall asleep so soon in the episode, everybody. Uh, BJ asks Zapata what the game plan is. Zapata says, knock him out. Spoiler alert, he won't even though BJ has some strange insight on Diego's game. Meet him in the center and show him what's up. Talking head, BJ. I think Zapata is going to turn some heads. This could be kind of a kickboxing or a box. Wait, what the shit is happening to BJ's voice? He sounds like a drag queen impersonator of himself. Well, we know for sure he didn't lose his voice from coaching his team too hard from the corner. And Diego has a game plan himself. (laughs) I plan on putting the pressure on him. You know, he doesn't like getting hit. Uh, (laughs) Quick question. Who does like getting hit in the face, Diego? Frankie has all the support in the world for Diego in this fight, despite the fact that he says that Diego took it a little easy right after his fight. Nice jab, Frankie. Way to get that one in there. Diego plays Frankie a true compliment. He's helping him find the motivation to win this whole thing, all while the cameras show footage of Frankie checking his Facebook while Diego works out in front of him. Diego (laughs) says he plans on just punching him and, and putting his hands on him and making Zapata break. Zapata tells us that before a fight, he usually just lies in bed until they force him out of it. And on the day of the fight, Diego's on the juice. Juice cleanse, that is, just to clarify for everybody. And he lets us know that the toilet feels the results of his morning fight rituals. Please file that under things I didn't need to know. Zapata eventually gets up to fight, only to end up at a first-round armbar within seconds. Yep, that's how fast it went. And it was nasty, folks. Zapata promised the fight of the season, but instead we got the submission of the season. Congrats to Diego. That was badass. And with a spectacularly fast win, I have decided that if I remotely care about the well-being of my arms, I will never roll BJJ with Diego. Oh yeah, somewhere in there, Diego hurt his leg and got something in his eyes. I'm really happy, oh, you know, my family and, uh, you know, uh uh-oh, here come the waterworks. I'm, you know, I'm just so happy, but, like, more happy than I'm normally happy. This is cool, yo. <laughs> Back in the locker room, Zapata shrugs the loss off. Well, it's about as one can do when they have their arm broken. Moving on, Van Buren versus Spawn. Holy shit, it's the Iceman Chuck Liddell, presumably taking time away from throwing grenades and headbutting wrecking balls in a commercial. This is how boring the season has been. They gotta call up the UFC's biggest stars to actually try and make these people remotely interesting. Chuck. Uh, you know, basically, BJ saw me at a strip club somewhere, and I was like, well, you know, shit, will there be beers there? And, yeah, sure, I'll call, you know, show him a couple reversals and shit, I guess, you know. BJ's in awe of Chuck Liddell. You had three unstoppable moves, bro. That's what made you so good at it. BJ says that Van Buren is going to try to take the fight to the ground and that Spawn can't let him do that. Hashtag foreshadowing. And Van Buren says that the last fight being so personal is what made it so bad. And that he actually likes Spawn, as Team Edgar does a terrible rendition of We Are the Titans as they load into the van. And Frankie's just all out of ideas. Yeah, we don't know what Spawn's going to come into the cage with. We have no idea what he's going to do. Back at the house, most of the cast realizes they don't hate each other and commemorate it by taking shots and singing like a bunch of drunk Mexican mariachis on their lunch break. Pat Walsh tells us that everyone can't help but talk about their emotions. And Gutter can't help being angry about all those guys talking about their emotions being so annoying. Strange. Now Gutter thinks everyone else is annoying. 
Hmm. Pot kettle black. On the day of the fight, BJ tells Spawn that Gutter's going to fall. BJ, he's gonna fall, Braj. But it doesn't look like BJ remotely believes it in the least. BJ is really checked out of the season. Van Buren says he just needs to show up like he does at practice. Spawn says that he's there to show America that he's the best, which would be great if anyone from America was actually watching this season. And we're at the fights. Dana, thank God this is the fucking final fight. Three rounds and I can't wait for Verdum versus Velasquez in Mexico. I'm out, bitches. Round one. Spawn pushes the action, but Gutter stands his ground. Eventually we get to the ground where Spawn transitions the side guard and makes some makeshift hooks and rides Van Buren for half the round. He's working for an arm and despite DPJ's begging him, don't go for the armbar, bro. Don't do it. And we're back on their feet. Spawn's expanded some energy, and Gutter gets a chance to catch his breath. Spawn takes him down again. Van Buren gets a wizard that helps him change the pace as he gets some knees in on Spawn. Round over. BJ's corner tells Spawn he's got to keep the pressure on Van Buren, and Edgar tells Van Buren he's breaking Spawn. Round two. And now Van Buren is going to work on Spawn, who's on Dream Street, as he pushes him up against the cage and drops bows. Spawn recovers to get back up, and Van Buren is relentless at Herb Dean has seen enough. End of fight. BJ says that Spawn threw the punches that missed and ended up getting really slow. Spawn says he got poked in the eye and couldn't see for half the fight, but he's happy he got the war he wanted. Spawn says he thought it was an early stoppage as well, despite the wobbling and, you know, the whole not defending himself thing. After the fight, Van Buren realizes his beautiful, beautiful nose will never be the same again. And Spawn is a little bummed as the two exchange apologies post-fight. And now it's time for Team Edgar pose off. Corey versus Gutter. And Corey is stoked. You know, we said it was going to be up in the finals, and, you know, here we are. You know, it's going to be a good fight because, like, I'm just excited and stuff. And Diego versus Eddie. Eddie says Diego is as close to a brother as he has in the house, but that he has to knock him out. Diego responds in kind by hugging Eddie and barking at him, which we've got to ask Diego about the barking because does he think he's DMX? I don't really understand here. And BJ says, oh, by the way, (laughs) that's right. BJ's taking on Frankie Edgar in case you forgot. When I beat him this time, people will forget about the last times. Well, spoiler alert, they will definitely forget about the last two times. And that, my friends, was the Ultimate Fighter season. Wow, Rafa Sparza. Are you okay emotionally? Man, that You know, it took it out of me. I, I've got to be honest with you guys. Uh, Raph, <laughs> r- quick logistics. That yes. was exactly one minute, oh, one second. Oh, one minute, one second. Oh, Sorry. You got to end strong, though, but I, I felt like that extra second really paid off. Without question. And frankly, Diego, you're the big winner from this season because both your niceness and your just ability to be a good fighter, um, also fighting above the weight class, was was ballsy. But you were literally the only one Dana liked at the end of this season. Yeah, it was. I mean, he he liked, he liked some of the guys in the finale, but, you know, throughout the season, man, I was pretty much one of the only ones. You are it. <laughs> That's the so, only one he likes. Kevin's getting to a good point here, but I really want you to explain to us, what was it like when they started making the semifinal matchups when Dana was just angry and berating everybody? Like, what was the mood with both what you felt when you were in the room and then afterwards with everybody else? Uh, I, man, I felt, I felt normal. Like, I was, I was just like, man, you know, I, I, I'm the only one that got to finish, you know? And then what he told me, he was like, all these fights suck so bad that I forgot about your fight. Oh, no. And I was like, holy shit, what the <laughs> hell? I, well, sorry. You know, I'm like, I'm, <laughs> what the hell do you want me to do, you know? It's like, so that's what he said, you know. I was like, hey, man, I don't know what you're talking about, but I, I actually got to finish this fight this season. And he's like, man, you, I forgot about your fight. These fights have drained oh me God. so much that I forgot about your fight. 
I was like, well, sorry, you know. <laughs> but I felt good. I was like, man, I knew he was going to get to Rogers, you know, because I knew he felt like he didn't want, so he really wanted me to fight him. So I pretty much, I pretty much knew I was going to get Rogers. And Frankie said you took it easy. Can you elaborate? Was that just your strategy going in was to be, you know, a little bit more lax? Well, I had, I had got some stitches, so I had no choice. You know, I had, a, I had stitches in my eye, eyebrow. And he was really, he was really sensitive. If I got hit there again, or even like uh, wrestling or jujitsu, he was going to open back up. So I had to make sure that he healed first. You know, I was still doing pads, light pads, and doing keeping my cardio up. But you know, that's why I took it easy. I just didn't want to open it up, and then I had to forfeit in the semifinals. That was that's crazy. So crazy that when Frankie put that in there, because we don't know that. Just in the way the cameras were showing it, so when Frankie said that, it just kind of yeah, seemed yeah. like, "Oh, Diego's gotten all effing lazy." And I was like, "If I know one thing about Diego, it's that I wouldn't call you <laughs> lazy." So they're actually not so lazy, yeah, you know. And, and then, man, there was actually a scene like you. I think it was three days after my fight. I just couldn't sleep at the house. You know, I don't know why. I just couldn't. So I pretty much didn't sleep for like two nights. And then one night we went to play. I think it was the third day after the fight. And, like, the guys were training. They were doing something, man. And I just laid down on the mat, and I just passed out. Like, I was sleeping throughout the whole practice. Wow. They were slamming shit, doing everything, and I was just <laughs> sleeping, man. I thought they were going to put that on there and be like, show that I was lazy and stuff. I was like, good thing they didn't. But, man, that, that actually happened. I passed out in practice. That's how you know that the, the production crew actually liked you. So... Take yeah, that exactly, is a exactly. good compliment that you were like <laughs> I did, so yeah. recorded in a way that would be terrible for you. Like imagine all of the memes that could have happened. Well, now I'm thinking of all the. Oh memes yeah, that oh yeah. There's so many things that could have done. And you get to talk to me. I'm curious about this because I'm also just starstruck by it. Talk to us a little bit about the finale and how much fun slash different it is maybe for you, maybe it isn't, but to fight on that stage, obviously alongside legends like Frankie Edgar and BJ Penn. Oh, man, it was awesome. It's totally different, you know. Like, I've been in big events before, you know. My brother just won the title. I was there with him, and, you know, it's it's totally different ball game, man. The UFC is something else, you know. The whole, because it was International Fight Week, you know. So wherever you went, it's like people trying to take pictures, autographs, you know, a bunch of media, and it, man, it was crazy. It was crazy, crazy. I'm an experienced fighter, you know. I was so I was pretty much used to that, but it's a whole different level, you know. Just everything leading up to the fight, weigh-ins, there's like over a thousand people at weigh-ins, you know. It was just, it was an amazing experience, man. But didn't take anything for granted, man. I was ready, you know. I warmed up good. Once I got in the cage, I felt great, you know. I really thought it was my night, and then boom, that happened. So, but overall, I felt great, man. So, you know, talk to us about the actual, uh, I guess, fight. So, when it is happening, uh, you're fighting Eddie, whose nickname the truck. Am I correct in this? Right. Okay. I've seen trucks that are smaller than Eddie, so. <laughs> Explain to me what it's like to weigh the same amount as a human being one day and then the next day fighting someone who's gained 900 pounds. 
<laughs> man, I definitely felt it. <laughs> got, got the bruises on my head to feel it, you know? It's crazy because I pretty much experienced what guys fight me at 170, what they kind of feel like, you know? Mm. So it was it was a good and bad feeling at the same time, you know? I'm, I, it was good because now I know, all right, when, guy, when I fight these guys at 170 now, this is how they're going to feel, you know? Mm-hmm. And then being on the other end of that sucks. Even the broadcast was, they just kept being like, yeah, Diego's probably going to move down a weight class. Like, they were super clear. Yeah. <laughs> well, to be very fair, they kind of yeah, did it no right way. as the action was about to take place. So the, on the commentary team, they're like, well, you know, uh, Diego looks like he's going to be moving down a class. And action is happening. And uh, I wanted to be like, <laughs> whoa, announced team. Way to, way to really kismet that and, and what sucked you know that was man i felt like that was the only way he could have beaten me was pretty much in the first two minutes you know mm-hmm. and it freaking happened man because i know he slows down because he's so big you know i knew he mm-hmm. was going to slow down a lot and he came out you know he came out strong so i knew he was going to be he was not going to be able to keep that pace up the whole fight so you know that yeah that's what broke my heart the most you know is i knew that First two minutes is the only chance he has to beat me, and he freaking did, you know. So that's that's what I was mostly upset about. Diego, and I don't know what your position is considering you were in in, in that moment. Uh, have you had a chance to rewatch any of it? I did, yeah. I did. Yeah. I did most of it. Yeah, I have. Okay, I'll, I'll ask my question after this, but I want to get your first reaction to it. What was your reaction to watching the fight over? Man, it was uh, – I mean, it was – I did a couple of things wrong right away. You know, I backed up into the cage right away which is the worst thing you can do against yeah. a bigger guy, you know, and that, that first one hurt me bad, you know, that first mm-hmm. one, that first overhand, boom, that was the one that hit me. And then, like, I, I was kind of recovering, kind of recovering. I grabbed him, and then, you know, he hit me a few times that, you know, I felt just go limb a little bit. So, and this was, but, you know, it happened. The biggest question I had for all of this was, Eddie was going crazy with his striking, did it look like yeah. there were a few, I don't want to say suspect blows, but it definitely looked at a certain point where there was not a lot of control. Did you take hits to the back of mm-hmm. your head during all of that? Oh, yeah, definitely, man. I got a couple of bruises actually in the back of it. <laughs> but that's the thing, you know, once you, once somebody's trying to grab you like that, it's so hard. It's just the emotions, you know, it's so hard for him to control it. But mm-hmm. I felt like when he was hitting me on the side of that head, I was fine, but then once I got a couple of to the back of the head, that's when I felt me go out a little bit. Mm. You know, so I definitely put I'm some put back there. But it, <laughs> it, it, no, no. It happens, you know. It's just because he was, he was so in the moment, you know. He's like, I got to get this guy out of here. So, you know, he was in the moment, and there was a few illegal ones in there, but it happens, you know. That's a, that's a fair response because I, I know that, you know, we obviously have you as the dog in this fight. Um, no offense to Eddie, but he's never been on the podcast, so I think you can understand. But uh, right, it's one exactly. thing to see that happening, but when you see the shots that are to the back of the head, you you do want to compliment the idea of well, he's clearly doing something right in getting yeah, down there. A couple of people, man, a couple of people sent me some crazy pictures because at first I was just like, no, they're illegal shots, you know. But then people were like, man, no, it wasn't, you know. They're like, they're getting mad at me. But I'm like, what do you want me to say, you know? <laughs> but they actually sent me a few pictures. On, <laughs> they actually sent me a few pictures on Facebook and stuff that, you know, uh, there was a few of them. There was a few of them, actually. As you're in the – and you're obviously okay with getting hit in the side of the head, which I love. But as you're doing it, were you still working on mounting a comeback of saying, okay, I just need to weather this storm 
and I'm going to be set to go oh, if yeah, I can get definitely, him for the second man. round. Definitely, definitely, man. As soon as soon as I got a hold of him, I was like, okay, I, I got him. You know, I got him because I knew, man, if, yeah, if I passed that first minute right there, I, I had that fight won, man. I was so ready to go three rounds. You know, I I was just ready, man. I was going to set the pace. You know, I knew he was going to slow down and. I was just trying to pick him apart, you know, but man, it, it sucked. When that ref jumped in, I was like, fuck, you know, it, it sucked, man. Yeah. Now we were talking to you a little bit the, about this off air, but we know a little bit more about your future, though Dana White was pretty clear throughout the entire season uh, where your future would lie. You're going to be, it sounds like, fighting again in the UFC octagon. Definitely, yeah, definitely. Dana came out to me after the fight and he was like, man, yeah, I like I like you throughout the whole show. I seen you fight three times. You know you always bring it, so you don't need to worry about anything. And then I got the confirmation from Joe Silver today, so definitely gonna get another shot. You know, in my regular weight class at one seventy, and you already know what's gonna happen there, man. No need to say anything else. I'll be ready. <laughs> it's time now. <laughs> I won't even say anything. Oh, I go. absolutely love this. This is the the best news that I think uh, came from it. No offense to you know Eddie winning or you know even Corey winning but like this is really this is really the most important thing uh because at least you're <laughs> there you go <laughs> you know you're, you're fun you got a great attitude about this and uh you know we were we were so ready when we were watching you there and i was just like the the only thing that's upsetting about something happening that quickly is just seeing and knowing what you are capable of is knowing yeah, yeah me too that, man like, that's why i was so hurt yeah. man I, I knew i was you know, that, that's what hurt me the most. I, I knew that that fight goes a little bit longer. You know, it's coming my way. But, you know, uh, it just sucks. Yeah, things are what they are. But, you know, tell us what's happening next. Uh, what What is in the future uh, for, for Diego Lima? Future, what- man, I am, I am going to Brazil on Thursday. Hopefully the whole city is not burned down. Okay, the World Cup. <laughs> we need to address this. <laughs> so I'm uh, going to Brazil for two weeks. I'm going to take a little vacation and then, Coming right back to train, man. When I, I get back in August, we're going to jump in the camp right away, and then hopefully I get to the octagon again. End of no, end of October, beginning of November. So that's the plan. You know, we're just going to train hard, keep training hard, and you know, got to show us what I can do. Now I got to ask this because I mean, obviously we're we're concerned for your health, so we want to make sure you're okay while you're in Brazil. Because yes, uh, seven goals is a lot to have seen so i'm glad you're in a good mental state of mind but uh will you be training while you're down in brazil yes uh, my brother's going as well you know we're taking some pads i'll be pretty much mostly training with him so we're going to be hitting pads you know we're going to be rolling wrestling we're going to pretty much be doing it all so i'll be, be training down there probably going to visit a few gyms see if we can line up a few seminars oh, that's awesome. so we'll definitely be training over there and you know coming right back good for you but do you know the definition of a vacation <laughs> Yeah, not really. (laughs) I do, but I haven't had one of those in a while. (laughs) That's the attitude, my man. Well, you know, I I love the fact that you're heading to Brazil. It sounds like you got great things going. Um, You know, I guess the fun part about it is you've been great with us, so you know that you're going to have an open invite to come back on the podcast anytime. Uh, We were ready to to follow you no matter what was going to happen afterwards. And we are stoked to see what's going to happen next for you, dude. Oh, man, thanks, man. I'm really excited, man. Thanks for having me. You know, I'm, anytime you need me, just let me know, man. You know, I had a lot of, have a lot of fun with you guys, and, man, just can't wait.
Oh, that's so great. Uh, well, Diego, we want to say thank you again. Do you want to get any shout outs to some folks who maybe helped you during training camps or, or were just in your corner man, that you want to share? I want to say thanks to my coach, but mostly, man, we want to say thank you all the fans. You know, these guys, man, have been very supportive, man. Sending me nothing but love on Facebook, you know, Twitter. It's just amazing, man. I have a lot of good followers. And, you know, I'm just amazed with all of them, man. So many great comments. I didn't see one negative comment. You know, he's just awesome, man. That's these so guys great. are supporting me and really excited, man. Just make sure to follow me on Twitter, DHLimaMA. And I appreciate, appreciate you guys having me again. Not a problem. Ladies and gentlemen, uh, a hearty welcome and congrats to our good friend, Diego Lima, for an awesome season. Team Diego! <laughs> all right, here we go. Kev, how do you feel you did on last week's over-under, Kevin? Not great. I It it feels close. I do feel close. I feel like it is close because I made some gutsy calls, as a champion will do. Mm. And I, I think it – I don't know. There's a lot of hesitancy in my voice, as people can probably tell. It's a mix. It was first a lot of, like, you know, boasting and I'm amazing, and now it's kind of walking it back a little bit. Would you feel a little more defensive if I were to tell you that we have your opponent, New York Rick, uh, Eric Jackman, on the line with us, Kev? I Well, I'd feel a little, yeah, it's still pretty mixed. It's getting less authoritative now that I know he's back for this call-out, which is always a fun walk of shame emotionally. Well, why don't we go and bring him on? Rick, how are you doing today, man? <laughs> doing great. <laughs> Are you Ric Flair right now? I don't know what that's about. Yeah, I don't know. I was just feeling it. It was it was in my body at that moment. How, how, did, it, how did it come off? It, it came good. off confusing. Oh, I liked it. I thought it was a nice touch. I like the energy and the idea behind it, but you're not Ric Flair. So really, harness that energy and, and try and put it I somewhere would, else. I would love nothing more than to cut a Ric Flair promo on you right now, but I don't actually know what that sounds like because I can't say I'm like the most hardcore wrestling fan. Um, but just know that I would be cutting that promo right now if I knew how. <laughs> wow. What a, what a statement. So let's do this. Gents, uh, I asked Kevin how he felt. Uh, you know, Eric, do you, do you feel good about your picks? Do you feel that you won this? I'll be honest. I don't even know. I was pretty drunk uh, when we made the, the picks. So um, <laughs> I don't remember much of that night. Perfect. And uh, I really don't know how I did because I don't care that much. But uh, I'm, I'm happy to hear it. I love this comment that you just made for two reasons. One, you asked me specifically via text off air, how did I do? And I didn't <laughs> because I said we save it for the podcast and you were very angry about that. And uh, number two, I like that you're walking it back a little bit by attributing it to alcohol and not owning yours. Yeah, Kev, do you think he's nice. scared? I, no, I'm just fucking jealous. I didn't think of that first. I should have totally jumped on the I was drunk bandwagon. Okay, before I reveal the results, I want you each to tell me what was the pick you most regret making. I mean, it's got to be the Leota Machida pick. Chris Weidman yeah. really, really handed me my ass on that one. Um, I, was, I was touting Machida not only on this podcast, on the MMA Hour, uh, to anybody that would listen. And uh, a valiant effort in the fourth, but Chris Weidman brought the paint. Like, what was the worst thing somebody told you about picking Machida? Not much. I mean, just because um, everybody was still pretty impressed with his performance, even though he lost four rounds to one, which is a rare kind of thing. Um, so what, there wasn't much gloating or, or making the e-crow or rubbing it in my face, just because I think people were still impressed with Machida's performance. Um, 
but I'm I'm hanging my head in shame on that one. Okay, okay, that's fine. <laughs> uh, Kev, which was the the fight pick that you regretted the most? Uh, Uriah Hall versus Thiago Santos. It was also the saddest. Okay. Because. I was robbed by the judges, much like Thiago Santos. And plus, when I boasted <laughs> that I thought Santos won, both you and at New York Rick on Twitter, doing amazing coverage, immediately insulted me in a way that really pleased everyone else on Twitter, which drives me nuts. Eric, do you have anything for that? Do you feel uh, Kevin was uh, out of line saying that uh, <laughs> there was a robbery in that fight? I mean, he beat him with a broken toe, bro. There's, there's nothing else that really needs to be said. He broke his toe and still beat him. It was, it was like that before, Eric, and you know that. <laughs> uh, I would also like to really take back the Uriah Faber, Alex Caceres. You don't get to do that. You get to take back one. That's the whole point. Oh, I, gave, okay. I gave you the opportunity to take back one. But, Kevin, I'm going to let you know this right now, okay? Yeah. From your fight picks, would you like to know the combined result or the first result? The... The one that matters, the first result, the first result. Okay, so that was from UFC 175. Kevin, I can tell you, you got a correct five picks. Oh, that's going to do it. That's not a lot. It is not a lot by definition. It is actually less than half, so know that. Oh, fuck. Okay, Eric, I have some bad news to tell you. You only got six right. Oh, Fuck's sake, go fuck yourself, now, rap. Hold on. hold on, here's the thing. That meant that going into the next day, that Eric had a one fight advantage over Kevin. But we went double or nothing, did we not, gentlemen? I believe that, that we did. Extended that. Yes. I don't feel like I won that. that one either. I don't know why. I don't feel good about it. All right, Kevin, how many do you think you got combined? Now, keep in mind, we did uh, 19 picks. Well, how many do you think you got right? 16. I assume I perfected the next card. Well, you didn't get 16, but you got a number in the teens. It was 11. Uh, so, Kevin, you got 11. Let me pause for a second here <laughs> to, uh, to wonder how bad. 11 is in the teens. Let, let me just throw that out there. But uh, Have you not heard continue. of 11 teen? Oh, my mistake. Dumb. I stand corrected. All right. And uh, speaking of standing corrected, Eric, would Yikes. you like to know your number? Yes. I hope you like the teens as well, because you also got 11 teen. Look at that. Sweet. Now, here's the thing, though, Kev. Before you start the celebration parade, you got an astounding zero performance of the night correct. So you didn't <laughs> guess the fight of the night or the performances of the night. But one person did, and that was enough to give Eric Jackman the win, who guessed that the fight of the night was going to be Machida versus Weidman. So therefore our winner of this week's over under Kevin is Eric Jackman. Congratulations, Eric. Woo! Okay. Feels now good. that one um, is way more appropriate. I, I agree with you on that. I'd also like to point out, let me just throw this out there, not to toot my own horn or anything, but I'm going to toot my own horn for a little bit. I did say that absolutely nobody <laughs> would win in the fight between Stefan Struve and Matt Mitrione. And I believe yeah. that that's actually correct. Nobody won that fight. Uh, can I get the judge's ruling on that? Uh, well, you could, except I bullied you into making a pick, which you ended up doing. You didn't tell me no. You ended up making a pick. So you ended up picking Struve. So no points. I strongly disagree with Raph here. I'm going to give Eric serious. I'm going to concede an extra point 
because uh, that was pretty fucking impressive. That was that was a really nice call. When you the fact that you said no one and the fight got canceled is shocking. I would like to point out that Kevin wasn't content just tying the game and losing via tiebreaker. He wants to make sure he lost in a way that's even more embarrassing. I, I appreciate it. When you're in when you're yeah. in one of those shame spirals, you, you kind of just want to give it away. Don't worry, Kevin's. Yeah, I choose to drink the pain. Yeah, <laughs> he's now cracking into his ice cream and eating his troubles away. Um, let me ask you this, and we'll we'll do event by event. But for UFC 175, who impressed you the most? Um, this is going to be an interesting one. I'm going to say Chris Weidman. Now, for most people, he wouldn't have been most impressive because they kind of expected this from him. But for me, I was kind of on the fence with Weidman. I wasn't sure um, if he was in that upper tier of middleweights after defeating Anderson Silva in the two ways that he did. Uh, with Anderson playing around the first time and hurting himself the second time. Okay, let me draw that back. He didn't hurt himself. Chris Weidman hurt him. Uh, but it was kind of fluky. And I wasn't so sold on Chris Weidman, uh, but there's beyond a shadow of a doubt that I'm a believer now. Uh, Chris Weidman is in, that, is in that freak category with John Jones. Are you going to ride or die with Chris Weidman going forward now? Now, I feel like that's some kind of callback, and I'm going to pretend I don't know what it's for. But I will say that I'm riding or dying with Chris Weidman. Now, I'll say this. Very early on, Chris Weidman, a relative unknown, was matched up with Mark Munoz. And everybody was saying how Mark Munoz was the next thing in the division. He had won something like four or five in a row. uh, And he was supposed to be a freight train hurtling toward the middleweight title and a matchup with Anderson Silva. And I went on a little show called the MMA Hour, and I said to everybody, watch out for this Chris Weidman fella. He's pretty good. Cool. So is the point of the story that you only believe things when it's convenient to you and then forget about them entirely when you can take credit for them again? Next question. All right. <laughs> Just wanted to make sure I was following the the line of logic. Kevin, who impressed you the most over at UFC 175? Um, I mean, it's not all that <laughs> controversial a decision either. I was most impressed by Ronda Rousey. Holy fucking shit. I thought she was going to win the fight in the first round. I did not expect her to completely destroy her opponent in 16 seconds. She looked fierce. She looked as good as she ever has, and frankly, I think she'd be a favorite in the 135 men's. She's insane. I really want to hold here, because we got so much to talk about on this particular fight, but I will say the thing that's most impressive about Ronda Rousey in that fight is that she understands Instagram only can do 16-second clips. So, really... <laughs> she's a marketing genius so so props to her uh eric what was your interpretation of whatever the shit happened because nobody cares about the fight the fight was so like meh that it happened in 16 seconds not that it's not impressive but that the real story became who oh gave oh god the code red <laughs> oh Rogan, yes 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 the you, question you the to quote ask unquote the guy in the truck yes <laughs> that's who we mean uh, I believe that the guy in the truck was none other than Bjorn Rebney, now employed <laughs> by the UFC uh, after losing his job with Bellator. Let me tell and he you has something. to learn the ropes a little bit. <laughs> he, he doesn't quite know how to, how to prompt Joe Rogan properly, and he gave him the wrong advice. Not since the days of like WWE's Attitude Era, did I hear someone say, well, the truck is telling me to ask you this question. I was like... <laughs> Really, Joe Rogan, the truck is telling you this. Go on. And it became the most fascinating part. Like, I felt that the truck 
comment in itself made for my $44 that I spent on this fight. Well, first of all, it was a PR disaster because Rousey admits she has to get surgery, which was probably not going to come up, not in her post-fight win. But it was such a bizarre, like, I loved it, obviously, because you can see the smirk going across Joe's face, only met by Dana White berating everyone that works for him in the cage as soon as the interview ends. Someone got fired. Like, someone definitely, if not, I want to hear what Dana White, how many fucks he dropped while reprimanding his staff afterwards. Well, the hard part is he can only reprimand them so much because he had another show the next night, but... They kept referring to a producer that was uh, in the truck that gave the code red, if you would. So uh, Great, that... a few good men reference, by the way. You, Thank I you. wrote that down as Raf gets points for that. All. <laughs> Are you going to give me reference. one of your correct picks? <laughs> I, I concede one point to Eric, obviously, and one point to Raf for great so, few good men. So so gracious of you. Um, I have to ask you this, Eric, because you found out about the, the Strew fight before I did, actually. Take us through how you found out about that fight ending. I mean, it's unfortunate that um, somebody who's been dealing with a health issue kind of has another health issue slash panic attack and come up. But for all, for all I can tell, uh, it wasn't related. It was just kind of an interesting thing to come up and unfortunate for a guy um, who, who was returning due to a, a separate health issue. Um, I think it was a bad coincidence and bad timing. Um, but I believe that, uh, he will be back and hopefully nothing goes wrong with that one because then that might spell the end of, of Stefan Strews MMA career. Do you think it's the end of it? I don't think so. Um, but if there's any indication of any health thing, whether it be a panic attack, whether it be something to do with the heart, whether it be anything, even if he gets hurt in the ring or in the cage rather, um, I have a feeling it's going to, it's going to be bad for his career. Uh, people are going to want to keep him out of the cage. Man, that was such a ridiculous thing to hear. And it was terrible to hear uh, as it comes on there. So I, I just want to say, before we move on to anything else, I'll give you guys 20 seconds to kind of give this. Kev, I'll ask you real quick. Was there anything you were disappointed with in the night? Was there any person or fight that just didn't live up to it for you? Um, honestly, the judges were killing me. They were just killing me with some of the decisions. I, I get even giving the fight to Uriah Hall. But some of the decisions, like a 27-30 unanimous to Uriah Hall, like it just it defied my understanding the way they were scoring some of these fights. Okay. Eric, do you have a real comment that you can add for something that disappointed you? I mean, there's one that disappointed me, but it didn't happen on Saturday. Um, and it hits a little close right. to home, and it really hurts. Let's, let's get to it, because <laughs> I, I know where you're going. Hold on, Raph. Do you mind if I just do one quick brag about my man Rob Font? Sure. <laughs> I'm just, I want us to take notice that he does shift to whatever suits your needs um, when it comes to beating up other fighters. He's, he's a real, uh, he's a diverse cat, and I can't wait to see Rob Font fight for many years to come. Wow. I know. I didn't expect there to be a suck up moment at this point in the podcast, but you know, it happened. Uh, Eric, I know it hurts, and I know that you said this last week. You said you ride or die with BJ Penn. So, did you die this weekend? My soul did. My heart did. My mind, my spirit, all of that died. Uh, there is a shell still existing talking to you right now, uh, but it's empty. And how would you best describe his new style that he came in with uh, to f this fight? I mean, a lot of people were confused by it. 
me, I was, I was willing to give him the benefit of the doubt and see, you know, what exactly he was trying to implement with that very straight up uh, on the balls of your feet style and your, on your tippy toe style. Uh, um, Kevin, what did you proper- refer to that as? I don't remember what I said. I'm sorry. <laughs> it's okay. I do. Uh, Kevin referred to it as like uh, a trick that a dog normally does, almost like a high poodle stance when they're about to get a treat. Yeah, the, is almost that, like the how paw, he was on the his tippy toes. Hand in the paw. Mm-hmm. It was such a yeah. He was trotting around like he was doing his impression of like this is what I think a pony looks like. It was just the most <laughs> bizarre. And it's no way to fight Frankie Edgar. It's no way to fight a guy that ground and pound. And just, let me see I if I, I got this correct though, Eric. Were you also not impressed by his swim guard? <laughs> Oh Jesus Christ! Uh, his guard is, you know, considered amongst the best, the best in MMA, um, and uh, it's it's been highly touted for quite some time. Even though he's never had a submission, which is one of the more impressive things uh, to have a guy who is considered great off his back, even though he doesn't have any submission wins off his back. Um, but I digress a little bit. Uh, I was not impressed with anything he did on the ground. Um, he was able to keep Frankie Edgar inside his guard. And the problem is that the guys who have beat him the most mercilessly uh, have been inside his guard. GSP didn't have to, didn't have to pass guard uh, to just posture up and beat the living hell out of him. Uh, and neither did Frankie Edgar. So it was, it was a little uh, depressing. Now I know the refs called it off at about the third. Uh, when did you call it off? Never. I don't, don't ever call it off. When I died is when I called it off. Uh, Kev, what was your reaction? I was just super bummed. Um, I got to see a little bit of the cl- – so here's why it, it bums me out for probably the same reason it bums anyone that loves fighting out. You want to see fighters leave with a certain amount of dignity that they've always had that integrity. And it's just like like he came back, got the shit kicked out of him. I would have preferred he was like, you know, I've got – one or two fights and beat the shit out of like some tough graduate or something to kind of end the cage just because we remember bj penn as a fearless attacker and we didn't get to see him go out as a fearless attacker and it just it was uh i was sad i was just sad and i hate being sad especially when it comes to the fighting but just like seeing his face as he as he was like this is over it's like don't forget frankie edgar is among the best in the world when it comes to just being a pound for pound fighter, he's been great at 145, fought some great fights. So I don't know. I just, I got upset seeing BJ just be so unconfident about how he had performed. Well, guys, I do hate to break this to you, but, um, you know, BJ's performance really got me thinking. I might have to retire my BJ Penn impression. No, come on. Don't be serious. No, bro. Like, you know, I just, I shouldn't have been in this, um, this podcast, I shouldn't, you know, it was, it was very sad. You know, I, I shouldn't have been there. So I don't know. I may have to call it quits now. <laughs> the impression's just so good. The impression's so good. I feel like you're probably hopping around with like two feet in front of you, kind of throwing your hair from side to side in an unorthodox striking style. That's what it feels like. Eric, if I could tell you one thing, it would be thank you for believing in me. And I'm sorry that I died because you didn't believe in me enough. Ha ha. I mean, it's so funny. It's all jokes when the legend BJ Penn gets retired. I mean, unbelievable. No respect to the sport. Is, is that essentially <laughs> how you want to be known? Well, are you I asking mean, no, me or BJ? I was about to say, I was like, which one are you doing here? I'm asking uh, you, Raph. There we go. Okay. Here's what I'll say about this. And this is the most sad part about it. BJ Penn did not deserve to go out like that. I think we're all in agreement. I I think the hardest thing that for any athlete is to know when to call it quits. And Dana has relentlessly said 
how he didn't really want to give him this fight. So in a certain way, I think, yeah, the only way to actually get through how sad it is is to actually try and make light of it and actually realize, well, I don't think anybody here is ever going to question what a great fighter BJ Penn was. But also, no one's ever going to question how decent my impression of him was, too. So, you know. That's true. I will, I will definitely grant you both of those. I'm just saying. Uh, well, uh, I don't know. Was there any fights that you guys wanted to talk about from the tough finale? Um, no, I'm good. Uh, yeah. Just Yeah, I mean, just in general, both the tough winners, um, they looked pretty good. Uh, those, those were some one-sided beatdowns inside a minute. And uh, Derek the Black Beast Lewis uh, looks like he's coming for that heavyweight title. Uh, yes. Just by knocking everybody senseless uh, in a way that's almost scary. Uh, and and his his post fight interviews are also scary, um, so I'm on I'm on the lookout for for Derek the Black Beast Lewis and uh, maybe lastly Sarah Morris uh, coming out like she was going to a bar mitzvah that was that was incredible um, the, the most awkward white person dancing I've I've ever seen uh, and she did it on her way to to fight in a cage so so kudos for that that's what the cheesecake does my man yeah she is, she's... Uh, that's her thing. Very Canadian. She's extra Canadian. Well, my man, uh, I want to thank you for coming back to review some of the fights with us. I want to say I was impressed with your picking ability, but I wasn't. But I was impressed with your winning. That's all that matters. At that the end really of the day, is all that matters. Oh, fuck yourself. That's all that matters. It doesn't matter if I win by an inch. doesn't matter if I win by a mile. <laughs> oh, I'm the champ. God. You used uh, Kevin's own Fast and the Furious against him, and that only oh, infuriates him. He quoted Dom. Fucking yeah. rap. <laughs> Oh, I would like to concede another point, but also sue for one. Okay. I don't know how that's possible, but fuck. Actually, all evens out if you were to do that and win. But, uh, Eric, can I ask you this? Uh, what was the bet again, and uh, how does that make you feel? Now, the bet was – now, let me, let me just uh, clarify one thing. Since we did double or nothing, uh, is the, are the two events in play? Is that, is that official? Now, we will have – uh, the, the stakes will be the double, even though it yes. was tied. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, yeah so then won. the final the final judgment is that Kevin now has to refer to you as, and now I'm, I'm forgetting the order because it doesn't really matter. It can be yeah. uh, in, in either order, uh, but on the, the subsequent podcast to this one, you will be either Your Majesty or Your Highness. Correct. And then the one after that will be the, the one that was not used between yes. Your Majesty and Your Highness. And that, those will take place over the next two episodes. So uh, we are excited to have that happen. I'm a little... Uh, don't say we. Don't say we, we are excited. We are. The, the podcast. I'm speaking for the podcast. Uh, Eric, the only thing is I'm a little sad that you didn't get anything out of this. I mean, that's a very nice thing for me. Um, but do you want That's okay. You, you owe me one. I don't owe you anything. But do well, you want... for this, now you will owe me one. How about that? No, like, no, that does, that's not the way that things work. Oh, this is, I mean. This got really awkward. I, had really known, and I, I probably <laughs> would have chosen something better. Why, why do I care about what he calls you? Unbelievable. <laughs> I don't know. It's your stupid logic that you're trying to figure out here. But, uh, Eric, do you want to give any shout-outs to anybody while you're here? Anybody who helped you during training camp to figure out all these correct picks? No, I mean, it was, it was really the worst training camp of my life. Um, and I'm not in the best shape of my life either. So there's really nobody I'd like to thank other than BJ Penn. Thank you for uh, all the memories, the incredible career, and uh, making me look like a fool for believing in you. Hey, you weren't a fool for believing in him. 
you were a fool for betting on him. Yeah, two very true. different things, and I think you know the answer to that. So we want to thank Eric <laughs> Jackman for coming on the show. We look forward to having you back on someday to shoot the shit with us about some more fights. Uh, but for now, we say good night and uh, thanks, my man. Hope you're doing good. Uh, it was great. Thank you for having me, and uh, you'll get them next time, Kevin. Yeah, thanks, Eric. For the words of encouragement. Eric makes his bets a quarter fight at a time, so he does it. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, guys, we are so happy to bring on this guest. Uh, we have been looking forward to having him on the podcast for some time. But you know what happens? Uh, when you're a fighter, you get busy killing people in the cage. So it, it gets a little <laughs> tough to find a schedule that works. But uh, delay no more. We are happy to have our friend Elsie Davis from Bellator. Elsie, how are you doing today, man? I'm good, man. Thanks for having me, guys. Not a problem. And and can we say this? We are, are huge fans of what you're doing in, in the uh, I, I can't even call it the octagon. Let's call it the cage. Okay, let's yeah, start there. Cool, sounds good. I appreciate that. So, what have you been up to? How was your Fourth of July? Fourth uh, of July was good, man. I uh, spent some time with the family, popped some fireworks. Uh, my son enjoyed the night works a lot more this year than he did last year. He's just two years old now, so it was a lot more enjoyable for him this year. So, uh, it was a good time. That's pretty sweet. Uh, you know, this is the question I always have to ask fighters around a holiday season, but how hard is it for the food and the celebration? <laughs> because I know what I have to do, and I don't have to give a shit about a fight. But for you, how does that go? <laughs> I mean, it's always tough around the holidays, and especially when you're scheduled for a bout. You know, right now I don't have anything on the books, but, uh, you know, I always try to stay in shape and stay healthy, eat good. Um, but yeah, it's always tough in the holidays, man, especially 4th of July. You got a lot of barbecue going on, a lot of, uh, alcoholic beverages going on. So, um, I was, I, I was just got a little fatter over the weekend. <laughs> Is there a beer problem? Do you stare at the Budweiser and think maybe? Do you switch with alcohol? What's the strategy for the drinking fight? <laughs> oh, man, totally. I try to stay away from the beer when I'm, uh, definitely in camp. I don't do any beer. You know, I might have a glass of wine here and there. I try to do something like the hard liquor, and you know. But, uh, yeah, I don't drink a whole lot anyway. But when I do, I do love my beer, man, especially in the summertime. I try to mix it up and try all the different, you know, summer beers and stuff like that. So I enjoyed myself this weekend, got fat, and I was actually joking with some of the guys in the gym tonight. Everybody was kind of healthy after uh, this weekend, so everybody came in a little heavy today. So it's cool. <laughs> I love when fighters call each other fat because you're not like you're fighter, (laughs) but that's not a real human being fat. So like, I love the complexes (laughs) that you all give each other in terms of that, because uh, I'll tell you something as an actual fat human being, I I know what it is to, to go through that. But um, so tell us, what have you been up to? You know, there have been some changes in Bellator that have been crazy. It's all happened within the past month. And we're waiting, I guess, on word for what's happening uh, for the next series of events that they're going to put on. I believe they're going to start their summer series. Uh, So where does this all fall in line for L.C. Davis? Man, uh, I don't know, man. It's kind of crazy. as you know, news to me like everyone else. Um, You know, when I signed with him, I was really, like, looking forward to the tournament format. And, uh, you know, I was expecting to be in a four-man tournament, which was ideal for me because I thought, wow, I won two two fights and I get a world title shot. You know, so I was a little discouraged when I heard uh, that there wasn't going to be any more tournaments. But uh, it was also encouraging, you know, hearing that they picked up Scott Coker. I know he's uh, 
you know, well known in the sport and been around the game for a long time, did some great things with Strike Force. So hopefully, you know, it'll be a, a good fit and uh, he'll help Bellator, you know, compete as one of the best organizations in the world. And, uh, you know, for me, you know, I just kind of got to sit back like everybody else and wait and see what all the changes are happening and uh, hoping to get a fight scheduled soon. So. If I could ask, how did you find out about the changeover? Is there like a Bellator forum that you go to? I, I mean, I, I found out about it like just like word of mouth and through like Internet, you know. A couple of people told me, hey, you're in the news. So I went on MMA Junkie or whatever site and checked it out and was like, oh, man, that's Okay, so I'm just going to mark that as a no on the Facebook groups for Bellator. Yeah, I didn't have have any group page or anything. I was really hoping that Scott Corker actually just set up a Facebook group and was like, okay, guys, but seriously, stay on topic, everybody, okay? Nothing about your food or your pets in here. Uh, you know, Kevin and I really wanted to ask this, and I, I, I really was so intrigued because you, we have a mutual friend uh, in Travis Connolly who is an amazing jiu-jitsu practitioner. He was just out here in California for a little bit. You know, what is it like training out there? Tell us a little bit about training uh, just in general with him and, and how he fits into your overall scheme. Kansas. Yeah, man, uh, Travis Conley, like I said, he's an awesome jiu-jitsu practitioner. Um, the thing I love about him is that he's still actively competing, man. He yeah. goes all over the world and trains with the best guys in the world and he still competes in every tournament that you can think of and all all great tournaments he's not just going to rinky dinky small shows he's going to you know world level top talent tournaments and he bring that brings that knowledge back to me man and uh, he's my head uh head mma guy really pretty much he he helps me with my diet um my strength conditioning he's my main guy for jiu-jitsu and uh he goes to all my fights helps me game plan on my opponents um yeah he's up my jiu-jitsu game amazing um like i never even rolled in the geeks i started working with travis about two years ago and uh i've already got my blue belt now and um i've been improved made leaps and bounds uh on my my ground game so how do you like the geek because you're an mma guy you're you've got that pressure game What's it like to transition from all of the no-gi work to using the gi? Well, I mean, a lot like a lot of people, I hated it at first. Uh, like, is the gi, I was just like, oh, man, this thing's hot. I can't move around. I can't scramble <laughs> like I normally do. But it's all good, man. Like, uh, you know, it, it teaches you to use technique. You know, you can't just muscle out of stuff or scramble out and slip and slide out of arm bars and stuff like that. you got to learn how to get out of submissions and defend stuff the the right way and with good technique, you know. Um, you just can't be floppy. And so I think it's tightened up my game, that aspect, a lot. I do have to ask this as well because <clears throat> this is something I've wondered, just given that Travis Conley used to be a pro wrestler. Is he ever, like, coming up to you and being like, all right, the strategy here is you clothesline him to begin with. <laughs> then you're going to get on top yeah. of the cage with a flying elbow smash, but don't <laughs> telegraph it. Whatever you do, it, it, does that ever happen with him? <laughs> no, not too much. But he, I mean, he taught, taught me a few uh, pretty nasty, like catch wrestling moves and the uh, the figure four. I mean, he knows all the moves that are <laughs> deadly, man. So I've I've learned a couple of them, man. I like it. We always joke around and play around with old T Money, the pro wrestler. <laughs> Bellator fans, I don't mean to overstate, but it sounds like L.C. Davis is guaranteeing a pro wrestling finish in his next fight. That's what it sounds like. <laughs> I think I'll just like start grounding pounding and then jump off the cage and do like a 
Hulk Hogan flying leg drop or something. <laughs> you you definitely have been taught well by uh, by our good friend Travis. But uh, you know we joke about it. But your last win against uh, Tori Bogus was a guillotine. At what point you know are you sitting there thinking like, man, I just caught this guy in a guillotine? Does the whole training work in? How much is that implemented by working even in the gi? Like, what's going through your head as all that's uh, taking place, and how did that come together? Man, uh, you know, I was just grinding. Like, during the fight, it was kind of towards the end of the – actually, I committed them, like, uh, one second left on the clock in the first round. Um, I was just trying to win the round, actually. I was trying to uh, finish, you know, spectacular, try to suck some of his out. So I snapped on the guillotine with, like – three or four seconds left, not even thinking I'd get him to tap out. But like I said, I've sharpened up my technique and everything so much that when I locked it up, I had perfect technique and crunched it all down real tight like Travis had taught me and got the tap quicker than expected. Quicker than expected. I like that. Uh, you train a lot of different, you're, you're a true mixed martial artist. Where do you feel the most comfortable? Um, obviously, Raph said you finished your last fight via guillotine, but you've also... You finish kind of across the gamut. What's your comfort level transitioning from striking to submission, and where do you where do you like to be? Mm, that's a good question. Um, uh, because I am, I like to think I am a, a well-rounded mixed martial artist. Um, I, I feel I'm most comfortable probably on my feet. Uh, boxing, or I like to be on top. You know, I like to, my top game is pretty strong. I have got a lot of submissions from top, and I love ground and pound. So. Um, you, I think my style you, of fighting is brawl and brawl. I'd, I'd rather either be punching you, standing up, or on top of you punching you. So either way. <laughs> of your 21 wins, which is what Wikipedia has, just so you know, though I might try and edit it to more. We'll see how that goes. You have eight knockouts, <laughs> seven submission, and six by decision. Do you strategize to just let the fight go where it, where it does, or do you walk in trying to say, look, no, this is going to be a submission or this is going to be a knockout? Uh, no, I don't get greedy, man. I take what they give me. So um, I, I really don't have no strategy as far as how I'm going to get the finish. I go into the fight looking to get a finish, and you know, I take what I can get. If someone's tough enough and game enough to go all three rounds or all five rounds, then kudos to them then i'm just gonna you know try to win every round and win the decision but uh outside of that i'm looking to finish everyone with knockout submission whatever i can get tko i am interested in this uh because a lot of your submissions uh you know obviously you like guillotine so <laughs> let's just say that but i'm curious because you don't see this one often but you also have a credit with a bulldog choke. <laughs> so some of our audience may not know what that is. So do you mind explaining what that is? And then maybe I guess what was going through your mind when you were like, am I really going to choke this guy with a bulldog choke? <laughs> uh, okay. Uh, yeah, dude, that's probably my funniest, coolest submission I've had. Um, actually, <laughs> uh, just last week, Travis got me in that and, he choked me out so hard with that. And I was like, holy crap, dude, you about ripped my throat off. And I was like, do you know I did that to someone? He's like, yeah, I know. That's why I did it to you. <laughs> <laughs> and, uh, but anyway, uh, how I got into the fight, I, uh, I got his back and I probably should have put both my hooks in, but I had his neck so strong, I just kind of like went to the side. And basically what the bulldog choke is, in my opinion, what I thought I won with was just like a schoolyard headlock. So basically a headlock with no arm in and 
basically just squeezed their head off their shoulders and uh, get the tap. I've only seen it done in MMA once. Uh, um, Matt Lindland submitted Pat Militich with that move, and then I, I I got it off, got it myself. But um, I've never see, actually seen it done, but by myself and Matt Lindland. I feel it is one of those rarer chokes. Um, I know it, and I think some people do know it as like a bully choke, if you would. Because if you see the positioning, and, and I would encourage you, if you don't know what it is, people go look it up. But it does look like you're on a schoolyard and you're just short of taking the man's money uh, for lunch. <laughs> and giving them snuggies on his head. Yeah, exactly. But like, <laughs> you see where the pressure is underneath and you just go... That looks terrible. Like, and it's especially something that if you're in a fight, you go, "Okay, I can get out. <laughs> I cannot get out of this." <laughs> so for me, you know that that's such an interesting thing uh, to to see. Um, how do you see yourself progressing? I guess just uh, outside of doing jujitsu. You know, you you say you like standing up. You know, what is your dream scenario to have an opponent? And you don't have to tell us everything, but. We just want to get a feel of what it is to be you and what it is that you would just prefer to see a, a fight look like. Um, let me see. Dream scenario. Um, every fight how I plan it out is to go out there and put pressure on a guy on, the, on my feet. Um, I love boxing, so I would probably be trying to land some good boxing combinations. And um, if an opportunity presents itself to take him down, I'll, I'll take that. And if not, I'm looking to knock you out on your feet or take it down and smash your head in the canvas that way. So either way, looking to do damage, uh, that'd be the perfect scenario for me. See, because I like where your head's at because I want you to help me here. Since Bellator doesn't have something necessarily lined up right this second, I think it's time for LC Davis to maybe pitch who he'd like to face. Uh, so do you have somebody in mind in Bellator right now that like you think matches up with your style in that perfect scenario? Um, I mean, I don't, I don't know everybody on the roster, but I do know a couple guys that I would have in mind, and it's all guys that are ranked high. Um, I'm pretty sure Marcus Galvo is ranked in the top ten or top fifteen in the world. Um, I don't know if he has anything scheduled, so Bellator, hey, I'm available. I, I love that fight. Um, uh, Joe Warren, he's the interim champ. Um, he's hot. Highly touted, you know. He might be ranked in top fifteen or something. I would love that fight. And, so and, let uh, me let me pause Don you for Coast. a second here because you just mentioned Joe Roran, yes? Mm-hmm. Okay, he likes to call himself the best in the world, uh, which, the baddest man in the world, or something mm-hmm, like that. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And uh, I think the thing is this: he's very good on the mic. So, like, imagine right now, I'm Joe Warren. What what would you tell me right now? I would say that uh, I think you're a better salesman than fighter, and uh, although I have respect for you, I would love to uh, show you that you're not the baddest man on the planet. It's a good soundbite. I think, Belter, do you not hear the ka-ching of a cash yeah. drawer with this fight right now? <laughs> you're stupid not making this fight happen. Way to turn it on him, too, to, to give him the salesman pitch. They hate it when they get backed into a corner. To switch gears a little bit, I'm a Kansas City kid. I think people are aware of that. And by Kansas City, I mean, obviously, 40 minutes outside in the uh, suburb country. But you are doing big things in Kansas from an MMA training standpoint. In fact, you've been working to bring American Top Team as a new gym to Kansas City can you talk to us a little bit about what it's like, first of all, balancing both the fight life and the gym running life? 
um, and what you're doing from an infrastructure standpoint with American Top Team. Yeah, um, we uh, just uh, opened up an American Top Team affiliate school uh, June 1st. Uh, we opened up business. We actually have our grand opening in a couple weeks, July 19th. We have uh, Master Ricardo Laboria, who's the founder of American Top Team, is head coach at the uh, American Top Team headquarters in Coconut Creek. He's coming oh, yeah. to do a seminar for us July 19th. <clears throat> so if you're in the area, definitely come check that out. But um, how it came about, um, Jason High, um, the co-owner of our previous gym, HD Mixed Martial Arts, <clears throat> he's been training with American Top Team for quite a while now, doing all his camps there. And um, last year, uh, Dustin Poirier flew me out to uh, help him be a sparring partner for his fight with Eric Koch because um, I'm a southpaw and he just needed to get some extra southpaw looks. So I went out for a week or week and a half and trained with Poirier and the American top team and I loved it and um, I was like man I got back and was like Jason why don't we just make our, our gym American top team affiliate school and he liked the idea and so um, we moved to a bigger location and decided to you know team up with American top team and now we're the only American top team affiliate school in Kansas City or in this area the next closest one would be Tyrone Woodley's uh, school in St. Louis so we're the only school locally that's American Top Team affiliate, so I think that'll be a good niche and selling point for us. How do you balance trying to be a? I mean, you're you're signed with Bellator. You're you're a top tier athlete when it comes to training and regiments. And anyone that's ever worked with Travis can tell you if you're if you're on his regiments, you're a top tier athlete. How do you balance? the business side with the the personal sports side when you're you're trying to get your work in man it, it's hard man it's it's definitely a struggle um uh it, it's been easier for me uh since june since we opened the new gym i i was for the past three years at our old location um i worked a job i worked 40 hours a week at title um the boxing headquarters um, I was at the gym every night, another 40 hours a week, probably. And then training myself on top of that and trying to be a father and a family man. So it was just like constantly, you know, busy, uh, constantly playful. And, um, uh, I eliminated some of that, but I quit my job now at the gym full time with our new gym. And so that helps a lot. So now I'm basically just dealing with the gym all day. I, I get to train and train others and do what I love for a living and work work for myself so I got my own time schedule I don't have to clock in on no one else's hours now so that makes it a lot easier but you know just balancing everything you just got to uh make sure you focus on yourself you know especially when you got a fight coming up I don't do as many like private lessons and teach as many classes during like a fight camp but when I'm out of camp that's when I try to give back to my fighters and my gym members and teach a lot of classes during that time very cool when I'm back in Kansas City, which will hopefully be in August, September, I'll make sure to uh, get in touch, come get my ass kicked at the top team in Kansas City. I'm a jiu-jitsu person, but I'm not opposed to getting hit in the head. I've done it before. <laughs> well, you, you know, Travis runs our uh, jiu-jitsu program there, so we got tons of gi and no gi classes, so come check it out, man. I do appreciate you taking pity on Kevin and not taking him up on wanting to punch him and kick him in the face. So that's very nice of you guys <laughs> It shows that you're a compassionate human being. He says he's a ground guy. We'll keep him on the ground. I mean, let's – yeah, I was about to say. I was like, let's not oversell that. He (laughs) practices on the ground. Uh, But you obviously took the nicer way of doing it, which uh, huge credit and kudos to you. 
I do like that you can also parlay that into a great banner. Uh, you know, you could definitely work it as like new gym will kill you like this guy. People will be like, man, this gym gets results. I'm happy to do a shot. Like you can do a photo shoot of me vomiting in the corner and bleeding from the face. I'm not sure who that sells to, but I, I know there's a demographic out there somewhere as Reddit proves every day. If you post it on the internet, they will come. Uh, well, Elsie, well, you know, you are a great, great uh, guy to get to talk to. And what we're going to do is right now, let's put a bookmark right here in our conversation and let's get you back on when Bellator figures whatever the hell they should do with you because obviously there are tons of fights that I think you you would match up nicely in Bellator. But let's get you back on here when you've got your next fight coming up and let's talk strategy. And I will start jotting down notes on shit talking. Not that yeah. you need it. <laughs> but yeah. uh, I can say the things that you can't. So uh, awesome, man. I will I will be your your mouthpiece to Joe Warren on the side that'll make him question, is he really the baddest man in the world? <laughs> I love it, man. Like I said, I don't I don't have nothing against Joe Warren, but uh he's ranked higher than me, so that's all it is in business. I, I want a spot. And you know, you what a credit to L C Davis saying that he has nothing against Joe Warren, who clearly hates kids and <laughs> is racist and uh I, I don't want to say he's anti Semitic, but like I've heard no, I'm just kidding. Uh, clearly <laughs> great stuff, but Elsie, uh, can we get you to get any shout outs before we get you on out of here? Yeah. Yeah, man. Uh, shout out to, uh, American top team HD, uh, all, all my guys, all my members and training partners. Um, shout out to my strength and conditioning coach, uh, Travis Conley, my jiu-jitsu coach, my everything coach, Travis Conley, my boxing coach, Melvin Wesley, um, uh, my manager, Mike Kogan, uh, um, my sponsors, uh, Reebok. Karma's Cafe is Italian Delight and Title on the Man. I like it, man. All right, guys. Uh, this has been a great opportunity. Hey, shout out, to, shout out to my fiance, uh, Kylie Shepard, too. Oh, whoa, oh, whoa, whoa, nice. whoa. You did lead off with that one? <laughs> <laughs> I, I, I always forget, and she'll hear the interview and be so mad at me. So I hold had on, to get let, me, let me, hold on. Uh, Kev, put your earmuffs on. Uh, earmuffs on. Elsie, can we talk for a second? <laughs> okay, buddy. Totally. Um, <clears throat> Kevin doesn't know this. He's not engaged yet, but you and I are both engaged. Uh, you can't do it like that, buddy. Like, <laughs> I know we're not a major thing yet, but when they interview you after the fights, you've got to be ready to say, uh, shout out to my fiance, first yeah. and foremost. So we're, we're going to practice that the next time you're on the show. Yeah, totally. Okay. I will. I'll be honest. I didn't want to hurt Kevin's ears because he's not here yet, and it could be damaging later on in life. But uh, Kev, earmuffs off. Are you good? What? I'm back. Yeah. I'm oh, here. God. Uh, <laughs> nothing, Kev. Just, you know, uh, engaged people talk. Uh, oh, but, yeah. I don't, I don't want to hear it. You that's know what I'm I saying. Don't. I'm protecting you in this. Uh, well, LC, man, you are such a delight and such a kick-ass guy. And uh, we can't wait to see what's next for you, buddy. So we look forward to having you on the podcast very soon again. All right, man. Thanks a lot, guys. Oh, Raph, the Ultimate Fighter review lives up to its craziness. Mm. Should I call it craziness? Is that okay? I think it is. Cool. Um, Diego Lima, what a future that guy's got. Yeah. LC, I understand why everyone that trains with him loves him so much now. Mm. 
that's pretty apparent. And Eric Jackman's a dickhead. So he's not a dickhead. You're just jealous. Well, sure. I'm also upset. I'm upset and jealous. I'm upsellus. No, that's <laughs> not a word. And with that, I think it's time for shout outs. So, Kevin, you should probably start so that we can get you out of the way. Uh, well, to the state of Texas, thanks for everything. Uh, Lone Star here in uh, the breweries, BJJ MMA Academy. I'll be back Saturday, hopefully, if I can get up for the 10 a.m. class. I struggle with it sometimes. BJJ Finder, the world's premier jiu-jitsu school locator, used it out here, found a school, going to go train Thursday night, hopefully, catch some no-gi action out in Austin. Um, can't wait. And, Raf, that's all I got up except, of course, I want to thank Marcelo for making you wear that pink belt and whoever took the photo. Marcelo DePauli, black belt at Valley Martial Arts Center. Me He's one of the nicest guys in the world. He really mm-hmm. is. But He's great. I, I can't even complain. Like It's just, it's what, it's what it is. When mm. you were in the belt, did you think about singing, Go on and try and tear me down. I will be rising from the ground. No? So, just a side note to anybody who's a fan of the podcast. Last week, Kevin started singing the song Skyscraper by Demi Lovato, except he didn't know the actual tune or the <laughs> lyrics or the melody. But that didn't stop Kevin Phillips from trying to sing the song. Why no? Kevin just barged ahead and said, Lyrics and words be damned. Yeah. I'm like I the Lewis and Clark of shitty karaoke. And also, if you're paying attention from last week, Kevin also dropped a Lewis and Clark reference as well, proving <laughs> he doesn't have much to offer this podcast. <laughs> I had forgotten that, so thanks for being you're that welcome. great fact checker you were born to be, Raph. So good at it. It's so mean even to say it. Like, even uh, as it's coming out of my mouth, I'm like, this is ridiculously <laughs> mean. I grew up way more polite than I turned out. Um, Okay, everybody, let's shout out, of course, Valley Martial Arts Center, uh, all the good people over there. If I can pick somebody to shout out this week, let's see. Who should I shout out this week? Let's shout out Bonnie. Bonnie is uh, such a cool addition. She's going to be selling her, her birthday. She's actually flying over to, I think, Michigan. But uh, Bonnie's such a great addition to our, our, our space over at Valley Martial Arts Center. And... Uh, she is one of the nicest people when I put up stuff because next week is actually our two-year anniversary of Early Late Night, my talk show over at Flappers in Burbank. Be there July 15th, 9.30 p.m. And uh, she put up a nice note that was like, I can't be there and I'm really sad. I love your show. So uh, stuff like that is always really cool to hear. So thanks to Bonnie and uh, great training and etc. So we hope you have a good trip and we'll see you back at the next show. Let's see. I can shout out. Just uh, the good people over at Valley Martial Arts Center, Rafael Lovato Jr. We're going to put up a video very soon that we have uh, really cool exclusive uh, stuff from him and Simgo over from Cobra Kai that I'm I'm beyond excited for you guys to get to see. And uh, let's go ahead and shout out our good friend John Evans, who's just always great and a good person to train with and, you know, uh, just a badass. So keep yeah. on the lookout for stuff because I think John and I may have a couple things uh, – coming up that i think you guys will enjoy but that that'll do it for me look out world hey that's gonna do it for us tonight over here at verbal tap i'm kevin thanks for listening good night and good fight like a skyscraper in the moonlight 
Like a made up cloud. No, there, I don't think there's a moonlight. Well, what the fuck? I don't know, obviously. I mean, I was kind of staring at the lyrics. What is it? I made out of paper? Yeah, I mean, the sentence is, is set. There is a sentence later, like a skyscraper, but that's not the. You can't just sing that line. That's not even. The <laughs> line I thought I was singing was actually the lyrics were, like I'm made of paper. <laughs> that's what I thought. I, that's what I thought was, like a skyscraper. I fucked it up royally.